0: welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. You ready for the Word tonight? Awesome. Hey, we have been in a three-week series. And uh, first week we had Pastor Matt speak on balance. Uh, Last week we had Pastor Alex speak on rest. Great message. And uh, tonight you've got me. Closing it out, speaking on relationships. And, uh, you know, I just want to get straight into it tonight and then let's see what God has for us. We're going to read from Mark chapter 11, verse 12 to 25. Mark chapter 11, 12 to 25. While you're getting ready and you're finding it in your Bibles, in your phones, however it is that you get it, uh, find it now. I'm just going to pray quickly. God, we just thank you. God, for what you're going to impart over these next few moments, God, as we read your word, we pray, would it read us, God? And Lord, we want to not just come and attend a service, God, but we want to have an encounter with you. And so, God, we open up our hearts to receive from you. God, we open up our eyes to see what you're doing and our ears to hear what you're saying. And so, God, we just say right now, we're ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't we read this together? Mark 11, 12 to 25, it says, The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing there in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went out to see if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not in season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because of the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say shall happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Quite a a big piece of text right there. There's a lot in it. And really when I read that, uh, scripture, you might actually be sitting there tonight going, What the heck does this have to do with relationships? But bear with me. I see kind of about four different parts in this group of texts. And I'm going to show you just with some like icons up on the screen. But the first part in this text we see the fig tree and Jesus is there and he curses the fig tree then the next bit he jumps into the temple courts and there he starts causing a ruckus in the temple flipping over tables and causing a ruckus and telling people off and then we go back to the fig tree and it's withered and dead and then he starts speaking about mountains and having faith to speak to your mountain you can command it to be picked up and thrown into the sea I mean that'll preach I want that authority I want that boldness and he says whatever you whatever you have faith for believe it'll be done for you and it will be yours and then there's this little caveat at the end of it. And I want to look at this caveat tonight, but let me break down these four different parts in this scripture tonight for you. Let's look at the first part. We're going to go a little bit more into depth. We see the first part with the tree. And there's a bit of symbolism in this. You see he walks up to the tree. Looks good, but there's no fruit. And he's actually not just calling out the tree. He's actually calling out hypocrites in that day. He's like, "Hey, you look the part, You look all churchy, you look all good, you look all religious and spiritual, but are you actually bearing fruit in your life? Hmm. Then he starts going into the temple and flipping over tables. And again, there's some symbolism in what he's actually trying to communicate to people. He's like, hey, yeah, sure, you're in the right place and you look the part, And you're there in church and you're cool, awesome, but you're still missing the point. And then he starts speaking about faith. And he's like, yeah, awesome, cool. You're saying all the right things. You could speak to that mountain and command it to be moved. But then we get to this little caveat at the end, the asterisk at the end of this passage. And he says, but when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that God who is in heaven may forgive you your sins also." I I like this. Think about it for a moment. It's like he's going, hey, cool, you might be in the right place. You might look the part. You might look like you've got it all together. You might know what to say and have faith and all these different things. But if you don't forgive those around you, if your relational world is in turmoil, you've missed the point. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Friends, the title of my message tonight is The Relational Asterix the relational asterisk. I'd submit to you that one of the many powerful ideas that the author was trying to portray among among many other things is that it's not about just looking the part, looking good. It's not about just being in the right place, but it's about bearing fruit in our life. And if we're harboring unforgiveness, if our relational world is in turmoil and we come along and we look all good, like we've got it all together, then we're missing the point. it's like in this last bit, Jesus is saying, yeah, awesome, you've got faith, it's great. It's good, it's so good, what you're praying, what you're believing for, it's awesome. But please, please make sure you've forgiven those in your world that have wronged you because how can I forgive you if you refuse to forgive them? It's a simple thought, isn't it? The peripheral things are great, but let's make sure we get our relationships right. Tonight, I wanna look at forgiveness I want to look at the how and why of forgiveness. I believe that it's an important thing, that it's great to, to have the look. It's it's great to be in, in the house of God. These are all important things, these are all good things. But we need to make sure that we're not harboring unforgiveness. You know, forgiveness of your spouse, forgiveness of your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your friend friend, your mate, your, your boss your people at work, your colleagues, uh, your extended family, your aunties, your uncles, your your siblings, your, your children. At some point or another, those in your world are going to require forgiveness from you just as you will from them. So let's take a look at forgiveness tonight. Are you ready to lean into this? Point number one, if you take taking notes, write this down. Forgiveness is a perspective shift. Forgiveness is a perspective shift. You know, one of the things that was quite common in the 1800s Uh, before uh, the world had shone light on animal cruelty, uh, was the traveling circus with an array of different animals within their act. In the 1800s, they'd travel around the circus and they'd have all these different animals. And one of the animals that they would have would be elephants doing all different cool tricks, right? Now, the circus trainers would have to tame these elephants and train them to do these different things. And one of the things that they would first start with is training the elephants not to run away. The star as a baby elephant. You see, a baby elephant would only be about 100 kilos. It's a lot of weight, but in comparison to what it will one day be, that five-ton mammoth, that five-ton giant, it's nothing. So they'd put a, a cuff, they'd put a, 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 an ankle cuff around its ankle, and they'd chain it over to a wooden peg in the ground, and when the baby elephant would try to escape, it'd get to the end of the rope, and it wouldn't be able to escape. And It would try again and it would try again and it would try it again till the point that it it began to get pain in its ankle. Some of them would begin to bleed and it would get to the point where it had tried so many times to get free of this peg in the ground that it would just give up and it would stop trying. Now you fast forward a number of years and this thing's grown, this thing's huge. It's a five ton beast. It's got the strength within it to not just pull a peg out of a ground, but an entire tree. Yet for some reason, that elephant, decides that it's not worth the risk of pulling the peg out of the ground because of the pain it caused all those years ago. Do you know why? Because the elephant has the wrong perspective of itself because it believes that it's small. It believes that it can't. But the thing is, it's grown and it's changed. And no longer is it bound by that thing. It's only bound because it has the wrong perspective of itself. And you know what? I I would challenge us today to understand that for us, sometimes the same thing can happen in our lives. That the thing that once bound us in hurt, in pain, in rejection, in disappointment, that thing that we couldn't get past all those years ago, all of a sudden we need to know that we're different. We've grown. We've moved past that. And we actually are at that point where we can walk in freedom from unforgiveness and we don't need to stay in that place of pain or hurt anymore but we've actually got to shift our perspective and start seeing what God sees in us because the thing is you might not have been strong enough to forgive when it happened but you're different you've grown you're closer to God today than you were when it happened and when you shift your perspective and understand who you are in Christ it gives you the ability to walk in forgiveness Times past. You might not have been strong enough at the time, but you are now. The Bible doesn't just say forgiveness is optional, forgiveness is a command. Peter has a conversation with Jesus in Mark 18 21 to 22. Look at this it says, Then Peter came and asked him, Lord, how often shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? How often should I forgive? Seven times? Like, surely by the seventh time we've established a pattern, and it's kind of like, nah, dude, like, hey, enough is enough. Like, you've got to stop doing that. Like, God, is seven times enough? Then Jesus says to him, no, 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 not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Even in moments when it feels justified, even in moments where it just keeps happening, here we have Jesus saying, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. To be Christ like, is to forgive. It's not the sauciest message. It's not the most popular thing to preach, but it is transformational if we grab a hold of it, that we understand that it's a command in the Word of God for us as Christ followers to forgive those who have wronged us. You know, even when you feel like you know that you're in the right and even when you know that they've done the wrong thing by you and you did nothing to deserve it and it's justified to hold unforgiveness and it's justified to go, no, no, I'm not in the wrong, they're in the wrong and how dare they do this and how dare they do that? To be Christ-like is to forgive. Look at this, Proverbs 25, 21 to 22. says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. I like this last bit just here. You will heap burning coals on his head. I've heard some people talk about that whole action of heaping burning coals on someone, someone's head as that like moment where you really get to stick it to them. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, ha, <laughs> ha, um, You know, as Aussies would be like, ha, <laughs> ha, suffering your jocks, right? Um, anyone heard that phrase before? But you know, I, I've, Read some commentaries on this and some theologians actually bring a bit of a different thought about the the action of heaping burning coals on someone's head. You see, in that time, uh, they didn't have gas ovens or gas heaters uh, their house would be warmed by fire and they would cook with fire and so if their fire goes out they would go to their neighbor and ask for some coals from the neighbor they'd carry it on a plate on their head back to their house and they'd use it to start their fire again and so by way of doing a good deed what you're actually doing is doing something good for that person and showing them that they can still sustain life think about this here the person comes and you've just heap burning coals on their head Imagine their response. I deserved the thing that I did to this person was so bad, I deserve to be treated like an enemy, yet they've treated me like a friend. And because of the kindness you've now showed to me, we can be reconciled because of the action of heaping burning coals on their head. What can you do to heap burning coals on someone else's head? What can you do to bring reconciliation in your world? What action what, what, what shift in perspective do you need to bring to actually change the relationships in your world? You know, I remember before I was in uh, full-time ministry, one of the jobs that I had was in the building industry. And uh, I loved it, building things, something from nothing, using my hands, learning new skills. It was really something that I enjoy. Even to this day, I still love working with my hands. And uh, when the GFC hit, didn't hit Australia as hard as it hit America. We didn't really feel the pinch as much as them. Uh, But it did create some nervousness uh, in uh, the area of um, of the building industry because home buyers were like, what's going to happen with property prices, right? Anyone remember that whole time? And uh, what happened is being in the building industry, just a lot of contracts just got put on pause or got cancelled and people weren't buying houses much. And and so uh, the guy I worked for really began to struggle. And we were putting in long hours, long days, sometimes 15, 16 hour days, like long days, working away from home. We were hustling. We were working our guts out and then the guy goes bankrupt and I really sucked but the worst bit about it is this that as he was closing up shop he'd taken all of his asset all of his cash all of his savings and he put it into a trust in his soon-to-be wife's name so that he didn't lose a cent and the guys at work I'm talking to him some of them were owed $20,000 some of them upwards even more even me as a young guy was owed more than $5,000 and wasn't a, a, a lot compared to everyone else but to me at the time it was huge and I'm talking to these other guys and one guy's going, I'm going to go and put concrete down the pipes of the house he's building. Another dude's going, I'm going to slash his tires. He's shepherding, right? So <laughs> another person, I'm going to sue him. I'm going to take him to court. I'm going to get my money. I just felt God begin to prompt my spirit and just go, hey, dust off your shoulders, move on. I sent, I sent this guy a text. I'm like, hey, dude, um, hey, just want you to know I'm sorry about what's happened to your business. You know, it really sucks. And Just for what it's worth, just want you to know I'm sorry it's happened, eh? And, uh, you know, in that moment, I was just, like, fully prepared just to just walk away, and it was all good. Everyone else is talking about lawsuits and smash and stab and slash and (laughs) concrete in the pipes. And a couple of days after I sent that text, the guy rocks up on my doorstep, knocking on the door, and he's like, hey, I got your text, just thinking about this, and I kind of want to make it right, and just hands me an envelope full of cash and everything that he owed me, gave to me. You know, in that moment, um, it was a cool moment for me, but I was fully prepared never to see that money because there's something that God had taught me at a young age and, and it's not necessarily the most popular thing in today's society where we value the hustle, but it's simply this. I would rather be a sucker than a winner who's bitter. I would rather be someone who is a sucker but maintains my integrity as a Christ follower than someone who's bitter and wins. You see, even when it's justified to go after the person, even when it's justified to go and bring the house down, to to, to start bringing lawsuits and doing all these different stuff, as Christians, we've got to ask ourselves the question, how can I bring burning coals into that person's life? actually show the love of God. And I just feel like in those moments where we could do it, but we choose not to, and we go, hey, I could win and I could do that and I could get my sweet retribution. I'm not going to. I feel like God looks at us and he goes, hey, well done, I'm proud of you. That even in that moment where it was justified, you chose to take a different route because of your Christian witness. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, forgiveness brings freedom. Forgiveness, it brings freedom, but it does require a perspective shift. Look at yourself, and I believe that if there's areas in your life where there's hurt, where there's pain, God will go, hey, how can you shift your perspective in that area? Maybe you are a victim. Maybe the wrong thing has happened to you, and I'm sorry for that. But if you shift your perspective tonight and you go, no longer am I gonna relate to myself as a victim, but I'm gonna relate as someone who has the opportunity to heat burning coals. God, how can you use me through this circumstance? We gotta shift our perspective. Point number two, everyone say, point number two. Forgiveness brings fruit in your relationships. Forgiveness brings fruit in your relationships. One of the underlying themes of Mark 11, the passage that we read at the start, It's how Jesus is calling out people who who, who look the part, they're in the right place, but their lives aren't producing good fruit. We get to the end, says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. If I could provoke for a few moments, has anyone ever arrived to church right after an argument? You know, like you're in the car and you're having that that disagreement. It's never been me, of course. (laughs) You're having that disagreement and you're, it's always my fault though, just there's my little disclaimer. Have that disagreement, you get to church, you get to the door and bless your brother, bless your sister, praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh, Shundi Bundy. (laughs) But then you're standing there in worship and it's kind of hard to engage, isn't it? Or maybe for the young adults in this place, and maybe you're not dating someone or married to someone at the time, maybe there's some drama going on in your relational world, right? And this person just slid into someone else's DM, and this person didn't invite you to their party, or this person did this, and you're at worship, and you're there, but you kind of side-eye him and go on, how can, how can they worship? I saw what they did. I know what they said. How could they look at them? How could they do that? And you're there in church, and it's hard to engage in the presence of God when something's going on in your relational world. You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, I would say something that's quite powerful is the ability to forgive quickly. You see, when you forgive quickly, all of a sudden it releases you from that that thing that's been holding you back, and then you can realign yourself and focus in on God. You see, unforgiveness is a distraction. It holds you back from what God has for you. If your relationships are healthy, you'll find that the rest of your life will be healthy. If your relationships with God is healthy, if your relationships with others, your relationships with your partner, your parents, your son, your daughter, your siblings, whoever it is, your friends, your work colleagues, if they're healthy, you'll see fruit in every other area of your life. But if you're harboring unforgiveness, then you'll see that you won't produce fruit. You see, the relational asterisks in Mark 11, in today's translation would would say something like this. Don't come to church and worship. Act like you got it all together. Come along and, oh, bless your brother. Praise the Lord. Sanctified. Shundy Bundy. Don't come along and do all those things. If you're refusing to forgive someone behind the scenes, deal with that so that this area can flourish. Because if you don't deal with the relationships behind the scenes, you'll very quickly find that you'll find yourself in danger of becoming a hypocrite like the Pharisees did. And that's what Jesus was doing in this passage. He was calling out the hypocrites who looked one way but lived another. You see, The relational asterisk is about us dealing with things in our relationships so that we can move forward in every other area of our life. But we've got to become a good forgiver. Can I just put a disclaimer in there for a moment? Forgiveness is God asking you to move forward. But it's not God asking you to re-engage with an unhealthy relationship or a dangerous relationship, or an abusive relationship. That's not what forgiveness is. You see, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given. And don't fall into the trap of someone trying to manipulate you that forgiveness looks like you re-engaging. That's not what forgiveness is. But forgiveness is releasing that person from the debt of their wrongdoing. Just, Just think on that for a moment. Forgiveness is a decision to not allow barrenness into your relationships. That's what forgiveness is. Church, we've got to produce fruit in our relationships if we want to see God do something great in our lives. Can someone say amen in this place? Amen. Point number three, and uh, I'm almost done. I don't want to preach too long tonight because I want to pray uh, and I want to invite the band up now. But point number three is that forgiveness produces breakthrough. If you you're taking notes, write that down. Forgiveness produces breakthrough. You know, uh, one of the jobs that I had, actually one of the first jobs that I had, um, was at an engineering place up in the country called Furfies. Maybe you've heard of Furfies before. Uh, they created the water carts that were used in the war. Uh, we derived the term, you just told a Furfy. And uh, I worked at the place that would make those water carts. And you fast forward to, to modern day, and they're not making these tiny little water carts anymore. They're making these giant milk tankers, petrol tankers, water tankers, those huge tanks that sit on the backs of semi-trailers. They were making them. Now, I was the smallest person in the workshop, the tiniest little guy, probably 14, 15 at the time. So I got given a special job. You see, someone had to clean the inside of these tankers before they got used. So they put me in a fumigation suit. I jump in through this tiny little manhole with a scrubbing brush and a bucket of acid and they go, clean away, <laughs> right? pre ohs right? <laughs> I climb in. Man, it was a, a squeeze and I think all the other guys were just happy that they didn't have to do it. And I was like, awesome, I'm getting paid. I'm loving my $5 an hour, this is so good. God is really blessing me financially. I climb in my fumigation costume, right? And inside this water tanker or this oil tanker or this milk tanker, whatever it was that I'd be working in, uh, had different cavities or chambers and a wall in between each one for the structural integrity of the tank. Now to get through to the next chamber, there'd be a tiny hole that would be there used for the the, the fluid to flow through, but just big enough for a small teenager to get through, right? Before my shoulders had grown out. So I kind of go like this, slither through, get into the next one, grab my acid, get my brush, go through to the next one, go through to the next one. Before I knew it, I'd be about five chambers deep inside this tank. Wall, wall, wall wall, each time crawling through this little hole, and I could see the light of day right down the end of this tanker, and I'm here, and there's all these walls before I can get to fresh air. And I remember one day I was cleaning one of these tanks, in there in my fumigation suit with my acid and scrubbing brush and cleaning the metal. I got a hole in my suit, and I'm cleaning this thing, and I began to feel lightheaded, right? And I'm going, jeez, I feel dizzy. Like, what is that? And I realized I had a hole. And I'm like, man, that's not good. Just keep going. <laughs> and then I realised I got to get out of here, man. I can't stay in this place anymore. I got to get out of here. But the exit's so far. There's so many walls. There's so many blockages. I felt like I'd never get out. But I thought, you know what? I just got to start. So my first thing I got to do is get through this wall. Get through this one. Feeling dizzy. I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit closer than I was before. I'm gonna get through this one a little bit closer than I was before and get through this one a little bit closer than I was before until I'd made my way out to fresh air spoiler alert I lived to see another day <laughs> you know in life it can be the same that all these different things that happened to us before we know it there's all these walls all these blockages that actually stop us getting the freedom and we're down the back of this tank called life and we're going but there's all this hurt there's all these blockages, there's all this wrongdoing. How could I ever get to fresh air? How could I ever get to peace? How could I ever get to wholeness? How could I ever get to those things that God has for me when there's all these things blocking my way? God's just saying, hey, just start with the first thing. Just forgive and move into the next room. God, I thank you that you gave me the strength to forgive in this moment. But God, there's still all these blockages. They're saying, well, well, what are you going to do next? Why don't you deal with this thing now? Okay, cool. Gonna deal with this, and all of a sudden you're a little bit closer than you were the day before, and then you deal with the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Before you know it, you're in that place of peace, you're in that place of wholeness, you're in that place of fulfillment because you made a decision that you were gonna deal with a thing that was in front of you. You weren't gonna get overwhelmed with all of the hurt, with all of the pain, but you were just gonna make a decision to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive all your way to freedom and wholeness. You see, forgiveness brings a way out. Forgiveness brings breakthrough, but you've got to make the intentional decision to forgive those who have hurt you, to forgive those who have wronged you. You've got to get up and say, I'm going to deal with the thing in front of me. Therefore, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Think about this for a moment. It says, whatever you ask for in prayer. Maybe you're here tonight and you go, too many things have happened in my life. Too much wrong has been done to me. How could I ever forgive? It says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Why don't you ask God to give you strength? Why don't you ask God to give you the abilities to have a crack at forgiveness? Why don't you ask God to bring wholeness into your life so that you can actually move into that new place? You see, forgiveness brings fruitful relationships, but it also allows us to be forgiven. It allows us to operate in the authority of what is said at the start of that prayer. Whatever you ask for in prayer, have faith to believe it, but make sure you forgive those around you. In a moment, I wanna pray for some people, but let me just read a few things to you tonight. And I just want you to search your heart for a few moments and just ask God, is there an area in my life that I need to deal with? Is there something in my life that I need to lay down? You see, forgiveness produces progress. It produces an ability to advance in your relationship with God. Forgiveness produces healthier marriages. Deeper friendships are birthed in forgiveness. Reconciliation is birthed in forgiveness. Forgiveness does what time can't. It releases people from the past. Forgiveness is hard. Maybe it's a manipulative parent. Maybe it's an absent father or an absent mother. Maybe it's a romantic relationship that ended up in a world of pain. Maybe it's abuse that should never have happened. Maybe it's a friend who hasn't been the friend that you wish they would be. Maybe it's someone slandering you, maybe it's an estranged son or daughter who you want them to come home but they won't. Maybe it's a boss or a colleague at work who's wronged you. Maybe it's that pastor or that leader that hurt you even when they didn't mean to. We're still human, we still make mistakes. Maybe it's a member of your extended family or maybe it's even yourself that you're struggling to forgive. You see, forgiveness is not just something that the victim gives to the person that's wronged them, but maybe you're the person who has done wrong and you go, how could I ever, how could I ever forgive myself for that thing that I did? But God is saying if you would release yourself from the pain of it, if you would release others from the pain of their mistakes, if you would make an intentional decision to forgive, you watch the freedom that it'll bring in your life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com. Dot AU